good to see all your smiling faces this morning. And uh, it's, I, I want to say thank you, first of all, uh, to start for the appreciation you guys showed to us, the cards, the gifts, the, the kind words that you shared with us last Sunday night, um, kind of to mark our five-year anniversary of being here. And uh, it's amazing. You guys are amazing at keeping a secret. I suspected absolutely nothing. And uh, I actually walked across the, the road with some extension cords for crockpots, and I saw the moors pull in, and I thought, what, what's going on? And uh, I thought, boy, it's, I know it's good soup. I know it's good fellowship, but, but they, they must be starving down in that area. So, but anyway, so it was, it was really a neat blessing for us. So thank you, guys. We, uh, we love um, serving here, ministering to you guys, and uh, the encouragement and love that you guys show to us is, is certainly something just that brings us along and uh, binds our hearts together. So thank you for that, and uh, I want to pray before we start into God's Word. Dearly Father, we just thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you for um, the way that you work in our lives. Um, Lord, thank you for the gift of of. Christian brotherhood, and uh, Lord, just the way that we're able to encourage each other along this pathway of life. Lord, I pray as we open your word now that you would change our hearts and that we would continue to grow to be more like Jesus Christ. We just ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. This last Friday, we had a chance to see my sister and brother-in-law and, of course, my parents. Um, It was Friday, and my sister just recently had a baby. So um, many of you prayed about that. So he's three, three months old now, and it was our first chance to see him. And it was, of course, really fun. Thank you for your prayers for my sister and uh, the safe arrival of Nate, my, my nephew Nate. And uh, anyway, my sister and brother-in-law have been out of the whole newborn baby thing for almost 10 years. So it was... Uh, of course, he was an exciting surprise but and a super big blessing from the Lord. But it was fun to watch them and see how they have had to jump back into this role that they haven't really been experiencing for, for 10 years or so. And uh, I even understand from my kids that it seemed weird for them to see Desi and I holding newborn babies, or a newborn baby, uh, but they got over it. So anyway, but, but it was... As I thought about this and, and the way it ties in with our sermon today is that the book of Psalms has a psalm for wherever you are at in your life, and uh, it's neat how all those p- puzzle pieces fall into place and how God uses his word to minister to us in, in whatever situation that we're in, especially through the book of Psalms. Today, uh, the psalm that we're going to be looking at is Psalm 107, Psalm 107, and it's a good example of this because as we look at it, you'll see that there are four different, um, what I'm going to say are episodes. Uh, they have been described as parables and ways that maybe would describe your life at some point during, during the course of it. Maybe you haven't experienced one or some of these things, but eventually you will experience them in your life. As lives change and we just things come and go in our lives, we know that one thing is for sure, and that is the love of the Lord is steadfast. We know that his steadfast love endures forever. 
we're going to, uh, I'll read for you the verses 1 and 2. And uh, so Psalm 107, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble. So that's uh, a good place to start when we're talking about being thankful. Uh, this, of course, is the Thanksgiving season. So we are we're kind of in that mindset. The steadfast love. We're going to talk about the steadfast love, so I think it's important for us to have in our minds afresh what exactly that means, what the steadfast love of the Lord means. That means his love is unchanging. It's, it's promised to us that it's never going to run out and his love never fails for us. It's his unfailing kindness, his goodness, and his mercy. So all, all these are things that we want to have in mind as we talk about the steadfast love of the Lord. If you look at verse 2, it says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. When we talk to each other, when we share with each other, we remind each other about the unfailing love of the Lord. We are helping one another remember. It keeps it at the forefront of our minds. But we have to speak it to each other. We have to tell each other and remind one another of that regularly. So we're three days out of Thanksgiving, and the psalm starts by telling us that we need to give thanks for God is good and his love endures forever. It's like, hey, we can do that. We've been giving thanks for we've been giving thanks for like a couple of weeks now, right? Well, we're in a thankful mindset right now, and so that seems natural. But the psalm, as we read on, requires us to do more than just that, just to remember these things at Thanksgiving time. Uh, it ends. The psalm ends with us tell, with it saying that we will be wise if we remember these things always and we consider them. So that's why. The title of today's sermon is Consider God's Steadfast Love. Our big idea is this. Considering the steadfast love of the Lord is essential in all of, our, in all of life's circumstances. Considering the steadfast love of the Lord is essential in all of life's circumstances. Psalm 107 describes four trips along life's path that may be where you are right now. One of them may describe where you are right now. And... It will certainly describe something that you'll face in the future. Here's how we're going to do this today. I'm going to read, uh, starting in, in verse 4, up to 32. I'm going to stop along the way, though, because the psalmist has made it clear what his major points are throughout this whole, throughout this whole psalm. And uh, so there's going to be two points in each of these sections where I will stop and uh, Gene is going to help you guys along the way. The, the psalm is going to be up on the screen. But there's two verses in each of these sections that are basically identical all the way through the four episodes. And so I want you guys to read those verses. They're going to be highlighted for you up there when I get there. You can follow along. I'm reading the ESV, so that'll help keep us all on track if you use that Bible. Um, otherwise, you can follow along on the screen. But later on, we're going to talk about attending being good people who are, uh, participate in class. And this is going to be one of those ways that you guys can score some big attendance points, okay? Right? That's why you're here, is attendance points? It, sh it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be, okay? All right, so I'm going to start at, at verse 4, and, uh, and I will stop and have you guys join me at, at those verses through each section, okay? So let's take a look here at Psalm 107, verse 4. Some wandered in desert waste, finding no way to a city to dwell in. 
hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Verse 6, together with me, please. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Verse 8, let them thank the Lord. You can join me. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons. For they rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with no one to help. Verse 13, Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Verse 15, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts into the bars of iron. Some were fools though their way, through their sinful ways and because of their iniquities suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food and they drew near to the gates of death. Verse 19, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Verse 21, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. And let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wits' end. Verse 28. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet. And he brought them to their desired haven. Verse 31. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. Thank you for being a part of that. And I hope it kept you engaged through the learning process. So what we obviously see here is that the psalmist wants us to get these two points straight. That is, cry out to the Lord in your trouble and number two, thank the Lord for his steadfast love. So as we take a look at this uh, first episode here, we see that the people were wandering in a desert. So they're in the desert of wandering. So in the desert of wandering, we see that it's important for us to call out to the Lord in, in distress. And uh, so verse four says that they were wandering in desert, desert wastes, finding no city to dwell in. They're hungry and they're thirsty. Their soul fainted within them. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble, verse 6 says. He delivered them from their distress. Some of these, you'll find as we work through these, some of these different sections will sound like stories that you've heard from the Old Testament. And uh, sometimes in Psalms, the psalmist will draw a straight line between some of those things, almost like a historical perspective. In this one, the psalmist does not do that. So, um, it's important for us, you know, we can learn from that, and it's always important to learn from history, and that's what, what the Bible was talking about, God's Word was talking about for the Israelite people through the Old Testament, is learn from what's going on 
and, um, and look ahead to the future when uh, it's important for us to just follow God through each day of life. Well, this one sounds a lot like them wandering in the, the wilderness, and um, they're hungry, they're thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Take a look at verse 6, of course. That's one of the, the first point there. Cry out to the Lord in your trouble. So they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And it says in verse 7, he led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. When we are wandering, you don't have a, a good straight direction, right? We need a direction in our life. And what God did here is he took them from a position of wandering and he led them in a straight way to where they needed to be. They reach that city to dwell in. God knows where he's going, and he's able to deliver us. He delivered them straight to where they need to be. We wander when we don't follow God. Is that true? We wander when we don't follow God. There is a, there's a quote. I've seen it on some bumper stickers, and I think it's actually from uh, J.R.R. Tolkien. It says, not all those who wander are lost. It's, it's an idea that a lot of people have grasped on to just go enjoy some time outside, wander around, see what's out there. That's good in certain circumstances, right? But if you are wandering, you truly could be lost. And it's important for us to follow God so that we are we're staying on the right pathway and we're going the direction that he wants us to. So as we think about this as wandering in the desert, uh, there are periods of our life where, they, where it seems like we don't have any produce. It's just kind of like a dry season of life. Maybe you're not walking with God in a healthy, a vibrant relationship. Um, it's not blatant sin, but it certainly is spiritual dryness. Verse 8 says, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love for his wondrous works to the children of man. When we remember that we have what, what God has saved us from and where we've been, the things that God has done for us, it helps restore spiritual life. Verse 9 talks about the longing soul. He satisfies the longing soul. When we're wandering, it's often because we're also looking for something else. We're trying to find something to satisfy our soul. And um, that shows itself in many ways through our life. This longing soul, that phrase longing soul, is used elsewhere in the Old Testament. And it's, it's uh, translated um, as a charging bear, a leaping locust, and a rushing chariot. None of those sound like a way that your soul finds rest, right? Um, I'm never too much at peace if I'm around a charging bear. I'm trying to think of times that's, that's happened in my life, but uh, I try to avoid those. Um, a leaping locust, they're always looking for the next thing to devour. They get done eating one thing, and they jump right to the next, and they, and they continue devouring whatever's around a rushing chariot, they're not, that's not headed to anywhere peaceful. It's not in a parade setting. I'm sure it's headed to battle. It's, it's headed to the middle of the conflict. So that describes our life lots of times. God desires for our soul to be content and satisfied with what he's provided and not trying to head to the next thing and the next thing after that. We often have a longing looking for what is next to fill us up. And that just leaves us hungrier. We can always be thankful for the good things that God has done for our souls, the, thing, the gifts that he's given to us, salvation. We have the gift of Christian friends to help us along the way and to carry our burdens with us. And 
his, thank, his steadfast love and his wondrous works for us. Of course, those are the things that are repeated through this section. So we move from the wandering of the desert to a prison of darkness. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we're in verse 10 now. Verse 10. Some sat in the darkness and in the shadow of death. They're prisoners in affliction and irons. Verse 11 says they had rebelled against the words of God. They spurned, they spurned the counsel of the Most High. I need some help from my Awana kids. Can you guys tell me how Psalm 1 goes? Psalm 1 verses 1 and 2 goes. Blessed is the man. Awana kids. Awana adults. You guys are welcome to join in. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So, compare this to what we're talking about with verses 10 and 11. Psalm 1 tells us the, the correct direction that we're supposed to go, but what, what is evident here in verses 10 and 11? They were in affliction and irons because of, of their sin. They rebelled against the words of the Most High, and they spurned the counsel of God, or they, they spurned the counsel of the Most High, and they rebelled against the words of God. So to spurn something as to reject it, it's just kind of like, I don't need that. It's to, to kind of almost hate it in a way, to turn your back on it. So God's counsel, it tells us in, in Psalm 1, we're supposed to delight in that. So it's clear why these people are in the prison of darkness. It's because they spurned God's counsel and they're headed in a wicked way. It landed, them, it landed these people in a prison of darkness. But that prison of darkness brought them to the end of themselves. God broke them with hard labor and he gave them a difficult path. Verse 12 describes bowing their hearts with labor. They fell down with none to help. And uh, so you think of, I think of a chain gang. You know, you're, you're kind of in prison, but you also are part of this crew that's, that's all linked together, and you are, you're doing hard tasks. Israel had times in their history when they were in bondage and chains. They were in distress without hope. None of these specific times are mentioned here, but, but that's certainly something that we can have in mind. Verse 13 says that no one was left to help or end of 12 says, no one was left to help, and so they cried out to the Lord. They called out to God as a means of their last hope. Verse 14, he brought them out of darkness in the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. God responded with his regular faithfulness, his regular steadfast love, and he delivered them from their distress. He freed them from the bonds that had been holding them fast. Life is hard when we want to go our own way. We reject what we know is good counsel from God's word. Proverbs 5.22, the iniquities of the wicked ensnare him and he is held fast in cords of his sin. He's held fast in the cords of his sin. God's word is, and his steadfast love are what release us from that bondage and give us freedom when we call out to him. Uh, I was reminded to Matthew, about Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. 
for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So comparing Matthew 11 to verse 12, we see Jesus says, hey, my way is easy, but the way of sin is hard. Verse 15, continue on. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. His steadfast love endures forever. And so here are some things to consider with this. Are you still imprisoned in sin? Are you a child of the night walking in darkness? If you have not accepted Christ as your Savior, you are still in a prison of darkness because of your own sin. Only those who have accepted Jesus Christ as Savior have been freed from this prison. John 8, 34 through 36 tells us, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever, but the son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Through faith in what Jesus Christ has done for you on the cross, you can be released from the bondage and condemnation of your sin. and You'll experience life eternally with God when your life here on earth has ended. So if you look at, go back to verse 14 with me just for a moment. He brought them out of darkness in the shadow of death. Prior to coming to saving faith in Jesus Christ, you are living in the shadow of your own sin, and one day you will be crushed by that shadow, unless you rid yourself of the shadow through placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You're imprisoned by your own sin, suffering the Maybe you're here this morning and you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, but you're bound in sin, knowing all along that what you're doing is wrong. You feel yourself bound in sin and you suffer from broken fellowship with God. Cry out to him in your trouble and he will deliver you from your distress. He is faithful and he will forgive you for sin and release you from the bondage of that sin again. So we see that sin results in slavery. And then as we look at the next one, uh, Verse 17, we see that sin results in more folly and affliction. So we're going from the prison of darkness to the sickbed of sin. We're on the sickbed of sin here in this next section. So the, the passage here where we talked about the darkness, the specific sin, the rebellion is mentioned. And also in this section, this third one, is we see that they are fools because of their sinful ways and they're suffering affliction due to their iniquities. <clears throat> On the sickbed of sin is where these next fools find themselves. Sometimes sickness is a consequence of sin in your life. The sickness had taken away this sinner's appetite. Verse 18 says, they loathed any kind of food. They drew near to the gates of death. The sickness in verse 18 has brought the sinner to the point of death. At that point, the sinner cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. Notice he sent his word, and it healed them, it delivered them from the gates of destruction, and death was, was dead ahead. I couldn't help remember the examples of Jesus. When he sent his word, he wasn't even physically present with the people who needed healed, and he sent his word ahead, and they were healed just by him just by him sending his word. The instruction in verse 21, of course, tells us again, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love. Verse 22, offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. This is important for us to do too. We talked about that in the very first thing. 
we need to be telling about God's wondrous deeds to each other, reminding one another about those things. Songs stick in our minds, and they help us remember important truths. Christmas season is, is right around the corner, and you think about those songs that we haven't heard all year long, but we still continue to have those Christmas songs in our mind each year when they come back around. We know at least the first verse or two, right? And then you get, you get beyond the verses three or four, and you don't have a clue where you're headed in those. But nonetheless, those songs help, remember, help us remember important truths. And uh, the other ones that we sing throughout the rest of the year also help us remember important truths. So there's a physical sickness that we talked about getting back to the sickbed. It is a result of our sinful choices. This is not always the case. But one thing we do know, this is true. Physical sickness helps us stop and think about what's going on in our lives. It helps us take um, spiritual stock about how our life is going, maybe how our spiritual life is not going. When we are slowed down physically, maybe we can speed up spiritually. When God works in our lives physically, we can be quick to thank him for healing us, and then we're off about our busy schedules, just getting back to life as normal, and then we forget about our spiritual health. Sickness in the Bible is often a picture of sin, and it's also a sign of its painful consequences. God did not have to heal those who are sick but he chose to anyway through his steadfast love here. We're going to move on to our fourth section here, and that is on the sea of life. So on the sea of life, we still need to cry out to the Lord in our trouble, and we thank him for his steadfast love. Verse 23 says, Some went down to the sea in ships doing business on the great waters. So these are just merchants. They're headed out to do their daily business. And in this section, we'll see that there is no specific sin mentioned that they have participated in. This isn't a result of consequences of their life, but this is the way that God has chosen to work in their lives. So the merchants headed out to do their business, and they saw his wondrous works in the deep. So it's like, hold on, because you're about to see God do some amazing things. God has control over creation, and uh, he has control over the natural world. Look at the vivid language there in verses 25, 26, and 27. You feel like you're almost riding in the ship with them. He commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wits' end. So, You've got some sailors, they're obviously experienced, but their courage had melted when they saw what God was up to with the sea. I don't know about you, but I, I kind of almost feel seasick reading through this passage. And I've never been on a ship where it's been on stormy waters, but uh, I'm sure that maybe some of you have had similar circumstances. But it's not high on my list of things that I want to be a part of. These guys were at their wit's end because they because of the storm that God had sent. They tried everything they knew how to handle what was going on, but ultimately they realized they needed to call out to God. Verse 28, they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Oftentimes we go about our regular lives. We forget that God is actually the master of what's going on in our lives. 
We believe that we are the captain of our destinies. You got the, sea, the merchant sea captain. He was on his ship. He had good control of it. And then God had different ideas when it came to the water and the wind. We think we have control over where we're headed with our ship, but God is in charge of the waves and the wind that come along in our life. We have to recognize God's sovereignty. Verse 29, God was sovereign in the storms coming, and he was also sovereign in the storms going. He made the storm to be still. The waves of the sea were hushed. You might be thinking about the story of Jonah, um, also the disciples being out on the sea and Jesus rebuking the storm. We see the outcome here. The Lord led them safely to their desired haven. There are things in our life which we don't have control over, but God has allowed them there for a good reason. It keeps us dependent on him and growing in our trust daily. So these, this kind of walks us through those four different sections in this passage. And uh, it's always helpful when the, the psalmist makes it clear what he wants us to take out of that section. So as we move on to the next section now, I'll read verses 33 through 43 for you. And we'll see that the approach and the, the focus changes in this section. It focuses on what the Lord does. So let's, um, I'll read through this for you. Verse 33, he turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground, a fruitful land into a salty waste because of the evil of its inhabitants. He turns a desert into pools of water, a parched land into springs of water. And there he lets the hungry dwell, and they establish a city to live in. They sow fields and plant vineyards and get a fruitful yield. By his blessing, they multiply greatly, and he does not let their livestock diminish. When they are diminished and brought low through oppression, evil, and sorrow, he pours contempt on princes and makes them wander in trackless wastes. But he raises up the needy out of affliction and makes their families like flocks. The upright see it and are glad, and all wickedness shuts its mouth. Through this section, we see that God's purpose is not to destroy, but it's to cleanse the people and the land. Verses 33 through 35, uh, his power is not limited by the natural order of things. So we see that it extends over rivers, springs of water, and the fruitful land, as well as the desert. God reverses things. He uses reversal in the natural order of things to suit his purposes. Verses 36 through 38, we see that the hungry have no home. They, he gives them a home in the city where they have plenty in the fields and the vineyards with a fruitful yield, and they multiply greatly. Verse 39 talks about those who cruelly oppress will be humbled and they will be sorrowful. Verse 40, those in charge, they seem to know where they're going, will be caused to wander in a wasteland. I thought Pastor Greg's call to worship this morning was good, where people think they know what they're, where they're going, they think they're in charge, but they're not. God's in charge, and it's important to, to go God's direction. Otherwise, they'll be forced to wander in a wasteland. Uh, verse 41, he brings the needy out of their suffering and makes their families multiply. Having kids is, was important. Lots of kids was important. And you think back to how God blessed the Israelites in Egypt, even though they were under hard oppression. God blessed them. They multiplied. And uh, we see God's blessing there. Verse 42, God is a just God. When justice is done, those who are upright are excited and they celebrate. So 
It's according to God's steadfast love that he has dealt with us. His wondrous works to the children of man, he showed his steadfast love for us in what he has done. Verse 43, this is that dose of wisdom for us. We have to keep these things in front of our mind. We have to attend to these things. Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. How can we attend to these things that we have learned today throughout Psalm 107? So in high school, it was sufficient just to show up to class, right? You just kind of show up, you warm the seat, and uh, try, to, try to keep from getting called on. College comes along, though, and you're required to show up. There are, the, the professors give you attendance points if you like, actually participate and have something intelligent to say. And uh, so you know what? The classroom of life is exactly the same way. We have to attend to the things that are important. Um, when you're learning something, especially in an educational setting, it doesn't cut it just to show up and sit through class. You have to read the material, interact in class, wrestle through how these things you're learning apply to real life, talk about it with people. So how are you doing in the classroom of life? Are you learning to apply these truths that we've learned to your life? The things that you hear on Sunday morning, does it get plugged into your life on a daily basis? The things you read in God's word, do you wrestle with those and apply them to real life? We all attend to something, but are you attending to the right things? When it comes to God's steadfast love, we must attend to it. We must have it at the forefront of our mind. That way we can let it grow us and it can change us. The four circumstances mentioned as we face those and all the other ones in life, we have to consider the steadfast love of the Lord. How often do you attend to it? Perhaps you're wandering in, a, in your spiritual life right now. You're not on fire for the Lord. Um, you're not really pursuing a life of sin, but you're not walking with God as closely as you know that you should be. Are you going through the motions of the Christian life? You know where you're supposed to be, but you are settling for mediocrity. Call out to the God in your trouble. Maybe you're sitting in darkness. You are in the shadow of death because you are imprisoned in your sinful actions. This may describe your life because you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation from your sins. Maybe you have placed your trust and faith in Jesus Christ, but you've been walking in a sin that you know needs to be handled. Call out to God in your trouble. Is there a serious sickness in your life? Are there other circumstances in your life that God is using to bring you back to him? What is God using to get your attention in life? And what is God using in your life to keep your attention on him? Are you going through something major in your life right now that you have absolutely no control over? Just like those, those captain, the captain of the merchant ship. I was reminded of this song quote, Christ our hope in life and death. Who holds our faith when fears arise? Who stands above the stormy trial? who sends the waves that bring us nigh unto the shore, the rock of Christ. O sing hallelujah, our hope springs eternal. O sing hallelujah, now and ever we confess Christ our hope in life and death. Number one, we need to cry out to the Lord in our trouble. Number two, thank the Lord for his steadfast love. What's really cool is that we don't have to go through the step one. We don't have to go through step one to practice step two, right? So as we consider step two, if we're always thankful for God's steadfast love and that's at the forefront of our mind, we might 
keep ourselves out of some of these predicaments that we've discussed. If we are regularly keeping our mind there, it will help keep us on track. A consistent attitude of our hearts being thankful for God's steadfast love, it can be effective in keeping us out of some of these life circumstances. Each Thanksgiving, we focus on the blessing of God providing for our needs in many different ways. We talk about our abundance of blessings. Year-round, though, we would do well to do as we've been told four times, and that's to remember the steadfast love of the Lord and his wondrous works for the children of man. When we have the consideration about the Lord's steadfast love on our minds, these circumstances in life that we face will fade in their importance. It won't take the circumstances away, but it will help us remember God's character, what he's done for us, and the fact that he's always good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your steadfast love. Thank you for the way that you met our needs to take care of our sin problem for us by sending your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to keep these things at the forefront of our mind. And uh, Lord, when these trials do come, when we do have sin in our life, help us to remember, cry out to you in our distress, and you will respond with your steadfast love and care for us. We do pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.